Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, let's talk about configuration basics. Maybe try, like, it's hard to cover them deeply enough uh, for 30 minutes episode, but let's try to talk about some principles and maybe some pieces of advice for new people or for non-database experts or for developers and so on, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, this has been something I've been hoping to cover for a while and we got a request for it last week, so I'm excited to. There's a bunch of things that I seem to think are sensible to change pretty much everywhere. Some cloud providers do some of this for people, so maybe it's not so much of an issue these days, but there are so many things that I think even just a basic overview could help people with that I'm I'm keen to make sure we get, give people a few resources they can go to to check in future, but also some probably sensible things to change even from the outset. Right. And the original request was about where to start, how to start uh, configuring fresh Postgres. But fresh Postgres these days means very different things. It's not on, only, of, of course, first of all, Clouds, different cloud providers, they have different defaults. They are just defaults. But not only that, uh, if you, for example, check the, the one of the most famous settings of Postgres, uh, controlling the size of the buffer pool, it's called shared buffers. And uh, if you check the default of it, it's quite uncertain, even in documentation. It says uh, 128 megabytes. Yep. I think, yes, megabytes. But it's not real default. Def real default is 8 megabytes, maybe bytes. But packages like for Ubuntu or for Red Hat, they're adjusted. So there are several layers of defaults. And of course, in, if you get uh, Postgres from some cloud provider, uh, for you, the uppermost uh, default layer is... Uh, and the most important because this is what you will get. And they usually, of course, choose 25% of memory for shared buffers, so like like kind of golden rule. I, maybe not correct term here, but usually so. And uh, I, actually, before we move on from that, I think shared buffers is a great place to start. <laughs> this is, I think it, it highlights a few things, or a few themes, and and in those themes, we've got things like. By default, a lot of these settings are quite conservative and they were set quite a long time ago. The team behind Postgres seemed to be keen to keep them on the lower side and let people increase them. But the, some of them have got so low and so old that it's kind of silly yeah. at this point. With, with And this feels like a good example. But the 25% advice, I think that's in the docs that, to probably bump yeah, it up yeah, that's, to 25%. It's not perfect usually. Of course, uh, the perfect value depends on workload and database and, and like it's hard to determine the perfect, but 25% is good enough. It's like a 80-20 rule. It yeah. feels like a, a really sensible place to start, except when I read a really good thread by Andres Freund. I'll share it in the notes. I, but I, I must warn you, let's not dive too much into yeah. details because but we can oh, discuss shared buffers for 30, 30 minutes easily. And I did I a complete, lot of experiments. I can tell you how I lost several thousand dollars for experimenting to get a flat curve and understand that experiment was bad and that I paid it out of my, my pocket and so on. So, but I think it's, I think this is kind of the point, right? Like I kind of wanted to say that experts will, if you read up on it, if you go down the, like a rabbit hole of 
advice you can find arguments to increase it you can find arguments to decrease well, it, and that will be true of so many of these settings but i think shared buffers yeah. is like one of the most controversial but i do think if it is good advice to start sorry for interrupting but if you're expert of course you should choose 80 percent <laughs> but you should well, do it very re- very carefully with a lot of uh, additional uh, steps but I, I agree with you it's good good start and let me uh, provide a couple of thoughts uh, regarding shared buffers first of all default is terribly low even uh, that one which is configured f- f- by packages to 188 and so on. Postgres isn't shipped with any analysis of resources so it's always some hard-coded values and when you install it, nobody except you will accept ca- ca- cloud options, of course. So mm-hmm. if you install Postgres yourself on some machine, during installation, it doesn't analyze how many gigabytes of memory you have. So it will just put some default like this 128 megabytes. And uh, I call it like defaults, most defaults in Postgres related to performance are very, very conservative. It's like very, very outdated, very, very conservative uh, you need to tune a lot to 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 be in a good shape, but there are a couple of configurator online tools. They are quite simple. They are just heuristic based tools. One is uh, on like they are part UA, uh, some some Ukrainian engineer, and it's very popular. It's even mentioned in some books. I, I saw it, and another from Cybertech. They are Cybertech maybe slightly more advanced, but basically they follow this 80-20 rule, and if you just use them, you are good enough already. And of course, shared buffers is covered there, definitely. For OLTP and web apps following 25%, I'm quite sure. But defaults, if you don't do it, uh, like I recently tweeted about it, this is, I call it uh, Podgress. Podgress for teapots. Because uh, you can have a smart teapot and install Podgress there, and even that even there, probably you, you would like to configure it because uh, even if you, if you take Raspberry Pi 4, current one, modern, you will get, for example, 8 gigabytes of memory. And still, you need to, you, you would like to have 2 gigabytes of shared buffers. Only the very first, very first version had uh, like half a gigabyte where you could use this default. Uh, and second thought, there's a problem on the other hand. Some, I, I think in a few years... Uh, the bigger Postgres setups will, be, will already experience the problem of uh, reaching maximum. Maximum for shared buffers, we discussed uh, yesterday on Twitter as well. Maximum for shared buffers is 8 terabytes. But there are already instances on AWS which have 20, 24 terabytes. So in several years, we will have instances available on, on, on cloud which uh, where you could will be, will not be able to apply rule 25%. So it's interesting for on both sides. Fascinating. I'm thinking let's go back to some other things that people probably like definitely want to do. I I still see quite a few people that don't have for example PG stat statements running that feels like to me really sensible like extensions that you need. They're defined in the config file. I don't know if you count those as com- config things, but for me that that gives so much extra benefit for so little overhead that I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised it isn't on by default. Yeah, but uh, it's not about configuration. Well, it, you can consider it uh, roughly as configuration as well. And uh, there is consensus among uh, the Postgres experts that producer uh, statements should be uh, enabled by default. I, I wonder, like, maybe it, sh- it should be already in core, 
right? And maybe installed by default unless you say, no, I don't want it. I never saw any heavily loaded system which would be considered like, no, we won't we don't want just those items. Usually we always wanted this extension. And yeah. this extension brings uh, several interesting knobs as well. Well, uh, we forgot to say that uh, there are so many knobs, uh, more than yeah. 350. And do you know that you can add your own knobs? Like user, user custom user? It's I easy. didn't realize that, no. Yeah, the, the knob system in Postgres is called GUC. Uh, it's like Grand Unified Configuration, if I'm not mistaken, like Grand Unified. And it's actually quite powerful in terms of like you can apply it at various levels. So you can apply it system-wide using configuration file or alter system with reloading of configuration. Or you can apply it at database level, at user level, so in session for example, uh, in transaction, if you use set local. So there are many ways. Uh, and and you can use your own uh, uh, variables if you just use namespaces. So something dot something, blah, 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 dot my, my variable equals something. And sometimes I used it. But uh, here we talk about configuration for what? For performance or like what our goals, first of all? Probably, uh, yeah, probably should have got that in up front. I was thinking if I'm setting, yeah, I think the person who's asking about setting up a new server was onto something. If if somebody is has been given this task and they want, you know, to make sure they've covered at least the basics, where what can we point them at? Like, can we point them in a few directions? I think that some of these tools don't, like the tools you mentioned, I don't think they point out some newer things. So, for example, I see quite a lot of people with maybe mixed workloads running into quite a lot of overhead with just-in-time compilation, for example, that got turned on by default in Postgres 12, which is only a few years ago. So it's some of these things haven't kind of had time to, to catch that kind of thing. So I wanted to mention that possibly if you're running a OLTP workload, tra transactional, you, pr you probably could get away with just turning JIT off and then maybe coming back and tuning it later. Or if you want to tune it, maybe increasing the... the there's a cost parameter, but turning it off for me feels like a really sensible first step if you're not planning to run like huge analytical stuff. Yeah, there are many su such advices, pieces of advice. And of course, uh, in OTP, I also turn off uh, uh, just-in-time comp compilation. And uh, unfortunately, I, I'm checking the, these tools. I recommended PGTune and uh, mm -hmm. Leopard in UA and also Cybertech. At least on the first one, I don't see just-in-time. And I exactly. think it's just lagging, right? And I remember there's another, like there are also good, very good resources. Uh, one is postgreSQLcode.nf, which is uh, kind of your new interface to, to configuration options for Postgres. Uh, it, but it's it, the advice in that is based on annotated.conf, and that's exactly. this is Postgres 10. One. But that's exactly. Postgres 10. Unfortunately, it was maintained uh, by George Berkus who yes. was in the core team but left to work on uh, with Kubernetes project uh, and uh, he like shifted his uh, areas of interests and unfortunately this project uh, is, is left unmaintained for a while i'm not sure i saw some uh, messages probably it will be like resurrected i hope it will because it was oh, very wow. good yeah, it, it, yeah it, I agree. it's very good maybe i'm mistaken actually but it was so good it provided a lot of insights like additional insights from practice and uh like compiling everything actually postgreSQLcore.nf gets information from from there as well but for yeah. new knobs like just in time uh, no right so so you 
we will not be able to mention all perform- performance-related tuning actions uh, during uh, half an hour, but I would like to remind about principles. First of all, these tools, uh, which are heuristic-based, uh, they are good enough in 80% of cases. And if you actually consider the idea that sometimes uh, bad, poorly written SQL query affects us much more than uh, poorly tuned shared buffers, those 80% probably become 95%. So, I, I mean, you can fine-tune more and more and more and more, and there are many things to tune, of course. Uh, but uh, maybe you should start f- from this 80-90 tool, then focus on query optimization, and then iteratively approach better shape. That being said, uh, of course, uh, uh, new approaches like AI-based auto-tune, here worth mentioning, right? Auto-tune. I think they are good only if you have a lot of nodes, like a lot of nodes. For example, I remember, I think some, some somebody from China, maybe Alibaba, maybe no, somebody reported they had 10,000 instances and they saved like 5% of costs uh, applying AI to tune Postgres configuration. And believe me, I spent some couple of years uh, in this area. My company is called Postgres AI, and I definitely considered working in this area uh, until I realized that optimization of queries is more usually, usually not in all cases, but usually a more important topic. Of course, if you're a cloud provider, you cannot optimize queries directly. But uh, this is my criticism about cloud providers. You could provide more tools like visualization tools, more helper tools, index advisors, and so on, you know, to your to your customers. I think uh, there is a, a lot of things to do here for cloud providers. I see some cloud providers not even doing the absolute basics, though. Like some some of them are doing sensible things, and and they okay, maybe they're doing the the absolute first level, like shared buffers. But most, like a lot of them, don't change work mem. A lot of them. A lot of them don't even change random page cost. Work or a few, a few that I've seen. WorkMem is tricky. The problem I, with WorkMem is that you cannot calculate how much you need. Usually, in really uh, loaded systems, we are over-provisioned. So if you take connection, uh, max connections, and if you take, for example, uh, WorkMem, you cannot just multiply and say, okay, this is how much memory will need, will be needed by my uh, backends. The problem is that each backend can can consume multiple times uh, up to work mem. But in reality, they don't reach it. They c- consume multiple times, but only portion of work mem. Yep. And uh, so if you follow the rules, if you, ve- if you want to be very conservative, avoid uh, out-of-memory, uh, ohm killer, and so on, you will be very using your resources not well enough. So everyone is, many people end up over-provisioning consciously or unconsciously. And uh, of course, if workload changes, there is risk to, to consume a lot of memory. So work memory is, is tricky. You cannot recommend everyone, oh, raise your work memory, you will be good. <laughs> because there is also max connections. And it, this topic directly uh, related to the lack of connection pooler inside Postgres. It's a big problem, right? So we need to think about connection pooler and then and, and how many max connections we we need to use. Well, I think that's a great, max connections is a great point. By the way, WorkMem, I do think there is sensible advice. I think four megabytes, e- even if you're being really cautious, four megabytes, I think is too low. I, 
I see. Absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah. But but like if a lot of the cloud providers aren't even bumping it up to something also conservative like 16 megabytes, or so you know, so it's four times more. You'd be surprised how much of a difference that can make in even in OLTP systems sometimes. So yeah, I that's the kind of thing I'm thinking might be helpful to people out there. Like what what might be a more sensible default for some of these providers? That's one example. I've still I've seen some modern. Like people that have only launched clouds in the last few years still have random page costers four, which is a setting that was designed for kind of spinning dip. Like it's not, it's not SSD. Friend. Like if you if you were designing that now, I think even a, even a setting of like two or one point five would be quite conservative. So, like these yeah. are the kind of settings yeah. that I'm seeing in the wild that I don't I don't understand why they're still the defaults. I also so, yeah. don't understand. They say, okay, we still have a lot of magnetic disks, but uh, new systems don't have them. Most of new systems where you need the defaults. All the systems yeah. already configured. You know, forget about them. <laughs> two, yeah, two things. One, one old, old systems are already configured. That's a really good point. But two, if only a small percentage have these magnetic disks, why can't they be the ones that have to change the setting instead of everybody else on the SSDs? That's what I don't understand. There is a big uh, lag in, in, in adoption and changes of defaults. And each time yeah. defaults are changed, I, I, like, I have a bot bottle of champagne to open. You know? Yeah. For example, recently uh, log checkpoint was enabled. Uh, like logging, it's it's insanely like let's uh, produce less of logging, but you cannot uh, see issues and issues come and you don't have logs and like of course if you want to cover more than these tools covering. For, uh, by the way, I I'm checking uh, back to work ma'am, I see that Leopard uh, PG tune yeah, yep. it recommends uh, for web applications and OTP. It recommends only fourteen megabytes. It's, it's quite low, but uh, CyberTech they do sixty-four megabytes, which is already good, much better. But uh, I need to check. Max connections is hundred only. Of course, if you increase max connections, you will see workman dropping. I guess, yeah. But actually, Max, can I just make sure we cover Max connections quickly? Because I think this is one where some cloud providers are doing the opposite. They're, I think they're going too far. Like I, I think on RDS, I've seen really, really high Max connections by default. And, well, and I think Heroku as well. Well, uh, in OTP uh, situation, it does make sense to have more than number of cores times like two or three connections. Because except well, cases when they have like weird locking pattern or something. It's usually if you reach already a number of cores in terms of max connections, in terms of active backends, it's already probably slow. You have slowed down already in the performance degradation. But like, again, like we can discuss a lot of things here, right? Let's talk about principles. So we have these sure. tools and I think uh, Cybertech is covering more things. It doesn't cover log, uh, log, underscore settings, which I recommend to, uh, I usually recommend to use uh, quiet, like everything on almost everything. Of course, uh, I don't recommend logging all queries, but I definitely recommend logging all auto vacuum uh, behavior, check pointer behavior, everything like that. DDL? DDL, yeah, it's for I audit. I think that surprises, well, yeah, but that surprises, but it surprises some beginners. I see it come up quite often in Slack and things that they don't realize that you won't like you can't check a table to see, or you can't check when an index was created, for example. Like people are surprised by that by default. So I think enabling those kinds of settings can really help UX wise. Yeah. yeah. 
I agree, I agree. And also, of course, like memory-related connections-related settings are very important for planner. Random patch cost should be close to one or maybe one. Otherwise, you will be getting a lot of sex counts unexpectedly in some uh, yeah. complex queries. Also, uh, checkpoint or behavior. One gigabyte is not enough on modern hardware usually. One gigabyte means uh, that on like, is if I'm not mistaken, it divided by three or two re real size of wall, bit, uh, real distance between two checkpoints. It's like it will be half of megabyte with these defaults, or even 300 megabytes. It's too small. So check yeah. pointer will be your most writing process if you check uh, IOTOP, if you can check it, of course. I think we covered that in more detail. There was one episode. But uh, there are many recommendations. There are many of these annotated, uh, yeah. still still relevant for because many things are quite old. Uh, we can discuss a lot of things. But what I, li I, I wanted also to mention is developer experience because developers usually spend more time on non-production, right? It makes sense. And non-production usually has a smaller size of RAM, fewer vCPUs, fewer cores, like maybe less powerful disks, and so on. And here, like over years, I developed some methodology. And we actually already touched it. Buffers first, IO first, analysis of performance. Maybe like single single session, not like not jumping straight to full-fledged benchmarks, right? You can analyze performance using one connection, query by query, or just one query, and so on. And uh, you can tune it. If you focus on I.O., the most important settings to have reliable testing, database testing, is the planner settings plus workmap, because workmap is... like Ah, forgot to mention, if you check PG settings, you will see uh, in modern Postgres, you will see more than 300, 350, 360 knobs, and they are organized in, in categories. And there is a category related to planner behavior, planner settings. And you should take all of those settings from production to your non-production. Plus workmap, because workmap is outside of this category somehow. But workmap also affects the planner behavior. And uh, this is how you can achieve similar behavior of the planner in non-production, even if you have fewer resources. People don't understand uh, sometimes the, the fact that Postgres doesn't know how many gigabytes you have, how many vCPUs you have, what kind of disks you have. It doesn't know about it anything at all, like zero. And for example, the way we tell Postgres how much RAM we have, even not shared buffers. Because shared buffers is the thing which is allocated. If production has a, ter a terabyte of memory and non-production has only 64 gigabytes, okay, maybe too big scale. Like, okay. okay, production has 128 gigabytes, non-production has 16 gigabytes. We still can full Postgres uh, adjusting eff effective cache size, which is yep. not allocated. And this is how we tell the planner to behave similar to production, not similar, exactly like production. The only is like planner settings on workmap and also like we have two components, this and second what we have in PG mm, statistic plus uh, rel pages also matter. So but so, the, so if you, you're talking about principles, right? The, print, right? the first principle is if, if you want to do good testing in non-production, the settings need to be as similar as possible to production. Planner settings and work memo, not, not others. Others, I don't care. Like, I, if, I personally think it is good practice. Like, it, 
if you want to test real behavior, why not set like I think the config should be almost identical production. To Sometimes production. you cannot because you don't have so much so much memory and so on. Sure, but they, that's what I meant. Like, so the principle yeah. here is they should be the same, except there's cost implications. So because there's cost implications, what are the trade-offs? Right, right. And also you need to be able to adjust your methodology not to pay too much attention to timing when you tune queries. It's like, it's okay to have 2x, 3x, 4x slower uh, execution time, longer index creation time, and so on. And then it's just a matter of, uh, like, basically if you have similar size database, you will have similar behavior of Postgres. If number of rows matches, that's it, right? Yep. Like, again, there is detail like uh, real pages. It's I, I like understood it not far, uh, not, not long ago, because real pages, uh, it's like knowledge about bloat. And if you have a copy, a logical copy of database, you have different real pages and the planner looks at it definitely. In, in PG class, real pages for each table and for each index actually. And it, uh, it, it takes into account how many real pages, so how much uh, ran, uh, various operations would need to be done. And here we come with random page cost, page cost and so on. Yeah, probably a bit far. Like we probably don't need to be worrying about that in terms of beginner config. Yeah, ideal situation is physically provisioned database, so PG data copied at physical level or from backups with the same physical distribution, same real pages, same PG statistic, and also the planner settings plus work map. And it doesn't matter how much CPU and how much RAM, what kind of disks you have, then you will have exactly the same plans. Of course, we've adjusted timing because resources are smaller and caches are colder and so on. Yep. And this, and this is how you can develop much better, much better, in my opinion. Nice. Any other kind of general... Uh, in fact, actually, I had one more kind of for the... I guess we're coming towards the end of this. So one more place to go to for a little bit more information. I really liked... There was a quite a long EDB guide that they published on... A bunch of these things starting quite beginner friendly and then moving into some more like advanced things i thought that was a really good primer and it took it doesn't take too long to read so I, i'll i'll link that one up as well yeah also there are some talks uh, i remember like quite long and like tutorial style uh, maybe four hours it's, it's a huge topic and I, i'm constantly learning myself from time to time yeah. but we discussed some principles uh, there is also the maybe the most important principle I usually try to follow in my practice is a experiment based approach. Yeah. Any change you want to like any question you have, go and check. In clouds it's easy, right? Just get an instance and check. Check behavior, check uh, run benchmarks if needed, if it's system level configuration, which is probably not interesting for developers, like uh, auto vacuum behavior or replication behavior. Benchmarks are needed. The planner behavior no benchmarks, just a single session experiment. But experimenting is the best approach to learn and to ensure that we are good to perform the change. That's why, of course, uh, having some environments which are like to help you having uh, what if workflow, like what if this setting is increased, what if it's decreased. But uh, sometimes it's you need uh, extra deep knowledge uh, to to make to conduct an experiment of course I th i've thought of one other this is like slightly more advanced on the config side but probably something a lot of people would change up front so there's 
nowadays we have par- parallelism and there's some and there's some parallelism turned on by default uh, so i think you get two parallel workers which means you get three threads by default at most so i i think that's probably something that if you if you're doing OLTP stuff you might want to reduce that especially if you're on a really tiny instance and if you're doing analytical stuff you almost certainly want to increase it so that feels like a big one but also one that's tr- relatively tricky to test on a different setup like that one does rely on your resources right like how do, how do you advise people do that with a different setup to production well experiments again like you you just conduct experiments and check with a similar number of cores yeah yeah well in in some cases you need to have this like yeah very similar or like exactly same uh, instance and also worth checking if uh, sometimes like if you have full-fledged benchmarking if you need to to like for most reliable change you sometimes need a single session experiment sometimes full-fledged benchmark and in case of a full full-fledged benchmarks in cloud i recommend also developing some small script for micro benchmarks to start with um, checking uh, CPU, RAM, disk uh, n- network that it matches expectations because sometimes you've you, you requested some instance uh, but you've got different uh, CPU family, family even sometimes even if instance family is the same CPU is different or you have some problematic instance so you, it's worth uh, checking before you continue with experimenting itself so set of micro benchmarks uh, with sysbench and FIO, for example, as bare minimum is good. To, just to check CPU, RAM, and disk. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm looking at the Cybertech uh, uh, tool. I, I kind of like it. it, it they, they for they propose maximum size 10, 10 gigabyte. It's already like good. It depends on database, of course. And by the way. Here I don't agree, but okay. Well, compression enabled, which is, I think it should be enabled by default. There are, there are, there are some reports that in some cases it slowed down performance, decreased performance, but in general, in most cases, it's helpful to have it on. But, but they have uh, just-in-time on. They, they suggest to have it. I don't know. It's like, I don't agree with this, but I agree with most other suggestions. So I think it's a good tool for for 80, 20 or 90, 10 approach. Awesome. Anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Experiment better. Experiment more often. Experiments are a really cool thing to learn and to make decisions based on data. So experiment, experiment, collect data, experiment, iterate and so on. Yeah. Oh, actually, last thing to say is that a lot of these settings don't require a full restart of Postgres. Like you can read the config. Yeah, maybe some do. That's yeah. Yeah. so. So maybe if you're in a rush to get a new instance provisioned and you want to just check, just check which ones do and don't. Yeah. Um, and don't fret the other ones. I usually check PG, uh, PostgreSQL core.nf. Yeah. I know they pull these data from PG settings which is quite trustworthy source, right? So, Yeah, it's got a really nice interface to show you requires restart, doesn't it? Um, right, I like right, that exactly, exactly. So, for example, Maxwell size doesn't require restart, so you can adjust it. And, for example, even in some cases, I did a dynamic adjustment for some massive operations, understanding that uh, recovery time in case of failure, like database failure, will be bigger, longer. 
but uh, shared buffers unfortunately requires a start and it's a big it's a big issue in some cases that it requires and I, start. yeah exactly and i think pg set statements as well um so uh, like yeah shared preload libraries it requires yeah. a start unfortunately so yeah. those kinds of things if you can get them in at the beginning can be re- well can be helpful to avoid that restart yeah, yeah. awesome good we covered actually some details as well i like it yeah i think we did all right but i hope we did good work covering some principles right. yeah principles between us we got there thank you yeah. i think you did a good job of get, doing that thanks thanks everyone cheers nikolai see you next week bye bye